Oh, thank God I worked this time. Woo! We are badly needed and long overdue. A controversial podcast about Colorado Springs. It's controversial because it makes sense. I'm your host, Nick Raven, and joining me virtually, bobbing her head, over here is uh, Emily Lewis. Can uh, Hello. Hello. How are you today, Nick? Oh, God. Well, I don't know why I set up the other one, but uh, I, we, we, we've done this intro kind of once already and it went to the wrong scene and it was really goofy and i'm fumbling with the keys and i just gotta get rid of it okay uh, so we'll anyway yeah we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take care of that so today on the show we have uh john christiansen at uh the chinook center Co-fan. so excited I, so excited so excited yeah we had a, a really good uh chat uh with him i just met him for the first we'd met each other virtually uh before Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until Pride that I got to actually meet him in person. I gave him the biggest hug. And oh, I know. It was lovely. Yeah, it was absolutely lovely. So uh, we're going to talk about the Chinook Center. We're going to talk about the police, you know, to the extent that we can. But we're going to more broadly policy <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and and just kind of other stuff about town. Mm-hmm. So, Some city council things, too. Oh, yeah. We got a beef corner coming up. And uh, <laughs> just a couple notes here. Uh, we're, we, we talk about the creator of SWAT. Uh, John got back to me and we did some research. Uh, or he did the research. I just take the credit. Uh, it was Daryl <laughs> Gates uh, who created yeah. SWAT. And uh, he also created D.A.R.E. So we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. D.A.R.E. a little bit. You know, keeping kids off drugs and, and whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then also, uh, if you're watching the video version, there's a stupid thing that I did. Um where when I'm switching to the wide shot where there's the three of us, there's like a momentary flicker. You may not notice it. You may, whatever. I'm just letting you know that there's nothing wrong with your your television. Do not adjust the X or the Y uh, at all. You're fine. It was on my end, and I'm not gonna. I'm too lazy to edit all of those out. So uh, you're yeah. just gonna have to deal with it. That's the kind. They're of gonna be looking sh- for it now. And those they are. All I the know. comments. I all the comments are gonna be about that. I know all of them. God, Nick, suck. Why did you do that? Um, anyway, did you have any other uh, notes as you take a drink uh, before we go talk to John? No, I think I'm. I think I'm good. Let's uh, go do it. Let's go do it. Let's go talk to John Christiansen with the Chinook Center. Yes. So we're gonna transition, and then it's gonna be like. John Christiansen, how you doing? <laughs> uh, well, there'll be some like build-up music for it, or uh, yeah, yeah, we've got we've got transition music with from the, yeah, the knock blockers who are a local ska band. So, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that does sound like a ska band name. Yeah. Yes, 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 they are. I love them very much. I'll have to check them out after this. Yeah, yeah, and and you can watch all of our podcasts and stuff like that. Um, so <laughs> we wanted to talk to you because you are kind of a facet. You, Sean, and the Chinook Center are really kind of a facet of of this town, and we kind of want to work backwards, or backwards and then forwards, like we're rewinding a tape. Uh, and I want to hear about like how you got to Color Springs. Are you native? What what's going on? Tell us the story, the untold story. <laughs> Wait, the untold story of. John or Chinook Center or what? Where... Uh, of, well, we'll start with I, you, actually, because that's going to okay. lead into the Chinook Center. All right, because I can talk a lot. You know that if you've seen my No, I podcast. know. We have a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm not native in any sense of the word. 
Uh-huh. But I, what's funny is my family goes back three generations here, something like that. But I was actually born in Utah. In Utah. That's right, in Ogden, Utah. But I, I grew up here. I've been, I grew up here since I was four, and then I moved around for most of my adult life. Lived in Texas, lived in New York, lived in Boston, lived in uh, Pennsylvania, lived in Bangladesh, and then finally brought us back here uh, my wife sam got a tenure track job here at ucs so we moved back here about four years ago okay okay so so, so wife's uh uh at uccs what is she is she still there yep what does she, she teach? just got tenure as a matter of fact yeah that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty important these days yeah it is yeah uh what does she teach there so that uh, i can history. sign up history yeah go take a history class okay south asian history sub-saharan africa and oh. the history of the 60s. Awesome. I love history. So you bounced around a lot. Was that like service or was it charity or, or what What brought you so many different places? Mm. Wanted to travel, also graduate school and jobs, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> things just like just that. Around. Just, just different various things. Yeah, that's kind of the, the enviable life. Like, oh, I wish I could travel. I wish I could go around the world and visit all of these places and then you got to do it and 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 that's pretty rad yeah yeah we got to uh live in bangladesh for sam's dissertation research so that was fun oh oh that's pretty that awesome. sounds really interesting yeah. yeah so how did so how did you start with then the chinook center what's inspired you or were you secretly a conservative for your youth and then changed over time well like, i'm still secretly a conservative actually this whole oh, thing has God. been like a fifth column sort of thing <laughs> Are you a three percenter? Uh, <laughs> I'm a one percenter. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, no. So the Chinook Center was born after uh, we moved back here to Colorado Springs, and I'd been, I'd been engaged in radical politics for most of my adult life. Even when, it, so I went. I was an undergrad here in Colorado Springs. We'd moved, moved around, moved back to Colorado Springs for college, and then for graduate school, moved back to Boston. Um, but so when I was at UCCS, I'd started like a, a student activist organization, which which is like a r- radical act, you know, doing radical activism, like the Barons um, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> going, we were doing anti-war activism mostly because I was back during the Afghan and Iraq War mm-hmm. days. Um, but when I when I was living in Boston, I was a part of the Boston chapter of the Industrial Workers of the World, which is like a, a radical militant labor organization mm-hmm. and we had uh, an office in a place called Encuentro Cinco which was so people have given me a hard time for this because I'm like let's, so let's go back to southern Mexico in 1992 uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was based off the uh, Zapatistas uprisings Encuentro model where they were like we need to build a, a world of social movements to counter the power of neoliberalism Mm -hmm. so they invited social movements all around the world to come meet and then you know create a new um pole in the world because you know the soviet union had fallen so there was no there was no second pole in the world it was just capitalism capitalism won yeah hyper polarized (laughs) yeah so we didn't have like there was nothing pushing against the the neoliberal model that was emerging in the 80s and 90s and so they, they did this whole thing where they were like well we need to build a people's movement from the ground up so uh, one of our friends in Boston had gone to one of those, and he decided to build a space in Boston called Encuentro Cinco, which was a 
you know, supposed to be a meeting place for different social movements in Boston. So it was a space. It was on the sixth floor of the Unite Here Union building down what in Chinatown. Was this? What's that? What year was this? Oh, I actually not sure when he founded it. It was early 2000s, probably. Yeah, okay. But when we when we joined, it was 2000. I don't know something 10. <laughs> something around there. The, the IWW joined. And basically what it was is all these different social movement organizations, radical organizations could use the space. They had, we had our little like quote unquote office in there, uh, which was like a desk basically and a little cubicle. Uh, and I just thought it was great. We had, we had shows there, we had socials there. We could use the space for anything. And you, you got to meet other radicals around Boston and they had programming and things there. So when I moved back to Colorado Springs and 2018-ish, 2019, mm-hmm. uh, I got back in, you know, Colorado Springs, I'd grown up here, and so I knew it was conservative. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, we need more, like, infrastructure for the left in Colorado Springs. And mm-hmm. so I was like, let's let's just do this to Sam. Let's, like, build something like Encuentro Cinco in Colorado Springs. Part of it was because I thought that there was more left-wing activity in Colorado Springs when I got back because I'd been following a lot of Facebook pages. Turns out a lot of Facebook pages aren't real-world organizations. They're just Facebook pages. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, so we made a list of all the groups that we knew of, and it turns out, like, only a few of those were actual in-person groups uh, rather than just pages that were sharing memes or whatnot. Uh-huh. So we, we got together a group of folks that it was myself, um, Sam, uh, Jared Benson from UCCS. He was also, he's a radical professor up there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be mad. Uh, There's a guy, Eric Verlo, who we knew from back in the days of the anti-war movement. Uh, he used to own tunes and Bookman. Amy Gray, who Jared suggested we bring on our board. Alex Archuleta, who is Amy still Gray, yeah. uh, part of the executive <clears throat> team. Mm-hmm. We kind of got together and we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? So I started figuring out how to create something like the Chinook Center. And, of course, the biggest thing was money. What? Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> and, and you know, looking at real estate, we're like, oh, my God, this is basically going to be impossible. Um, mm-hmm. But we got lucky in that the CC men's soccer team, you know, after the George Floyd uprising, we gained a lot more exposure because we were working on police oversight and reform and things like this. And we... I don't know, somehow caught the CC men's soccer team caught wind of us. And they're like, we'd like to support an organization in the community. So we want to do a fundraiser for you guys. For and you so guys, they, for, for this leftist rabble for rousing. Center, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was about the time we brought Sean on. Okay. Because we met Sean doing organizing in, around the Von Bailey's murder. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, he's like a real charismatic guy. He knows a lot of people in the community. Let's bring him on. Um. So then, yeah, the CC men's soccer team did a fundraiser for us, and that was enough to get us over the edge to be able to sign a lease and create the Chinook Center as an actual space in the city for leftists to organize out of. Very jealous. Thank you to CC men's soccer. Hey, help comes in all sizes, shapes, and sometimes flavors. So let's start. Have you always been like politically radical or is there a radicalization moment where your parents hippies or something like that? Uh, no, my parents <laughs> definitely weren't hippies. I was actually raised. Um, my mom was kind of like, you know, it was the eighties. She got sucked into the whole evangelical Christianity thing oh, in the eighties. Which... Went in Colorado Springs. That was like the thing, you know, so yeah. I was kind of raised in that uh, 
place. By the time I was in high school, though, I was already like fairly political. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I, you know it's funny because we, we just had this question at one of our DSA meetings, like, what radicalized you? Uh-huh. But, you know, my mom was always an outspoken person. And and we grew up not super well off. So like I was always like my mom had crappy jobs. We always had crappy landlords and things like this. And I think you just gain, gain a degree of class consciousness from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, like I didn't grow up with my dad, but he was like a he was his union steward at his job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think there's just some of that just rubs off on you eventually. Mm-hmm. And eventually it but, seems like you you're once your ideas meet uh your lifestyle or something Mm -hmm. once it becomes like i know some people really hate the word but praxis it's like when when your politics really start affecting your life that's when it's the rubber meets the road yeah exactly and you know i i grew up in the punk scene in colorado springs and i was a skateboarder and that essentially (laughs) just means you're always getting fucked with by the cops so i had an early dislike for the police (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah so so you come back and you um, you form the Chinook Center and so what? I guess the elevator pitch is, is that it's a, just a gathering spot for leftists to come and gather, but the Chinook Center does a lot more than that as well. So if in talking to someone who's never even heard of it, what is the Chinook Center? Well, yeah. Let's see. Should I pull up my web the website? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we did conceive it of it as a space to begin with, but we existed for like a year and a half without the building so we had to uh-huh. think of things to do that were like gave us an identity so really our goal is to like empower grassroots organizations and and organizing in colorado springs but i've always been a big fan of trying like leftist unity trying to bring people together in coalitions mm-hmm. and i've worked in a lot of coalitions myself over the years and so one of the things that we started doing early on was trying to form coalitions with other grassroots organizations. And that's kind of also our thing. So we form, we formed several coalitions and we have brought together different people around different issues in the city to try and get them to work together on, you know, progressive or left-wing causes. So one of the first things we really started working on was the murder of Devon Bailey. So we started working on police oversight and things like this which led us to form a people's budget coalition the summer of the George Floyd uprising with several organizations, which we were trying to get, you know, the Colorado Springs budget is not exactly the most progressive budget. No, the, no, <laughs> in the no country. so we wanted to create a budget. Well, bring more people into the budget process because the year before we'd seen how just completely it was an insider job like an insider process mm-hmm. the whole budget process it's and so we wanted to bring more people in mayor like, yeah the mayor and just like a few bureaucrats they you know the bureaucrats bring their um proposed people. budget in and then, then they kind of work it mm-hmm. out and then they they have a hearing technically at for city council but it, it does nothing now yeah, at that point you know? they're, just stamp- <laughs> they're just rubber stamping it basically yeah. i mean that's kind of what city council's been since the strong mayor uh, right. came into place in 2013 is like the mayor says we're doing this and the city council's like yes sir you know <laughs> yep, exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so you got really involved with uh budget discussions and that seems very labyrinthine and clandestine yeah. and it is very hard to tackle and i know i'm on the <laughs> citizens transportation advisory board as an alternate and mm-hmm. i know there are boards and emily you've been on boards and had your fun mm-hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm jealous. I've applied for boards, but for some reason they don't they don't choose me. I can't figure out why. It was uh, they. I was on the um, the food advisory board, and Fab. Yes, I had to wander away when when it was becoming a conversation of, you know, children should not be allowed to have chocolate milk at lunch. Yeah, um, those, are the, those are the big concerns, right? That's yes. that's really not something that I think we should be focusing on. So I'm going to go now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I sympathize with that story because when I was like a, in elementary school, I, I was doing lunchroom duty one day. Mm-hmm. And I gave some kid an extra chocolate milk and I, you know, like <laughs> principal, the assistant principal, my teacher, they all came down on me. I'm like, okay, this is. That's an extra go. hundred <laughs> calories that that kid shouldn't be having, John. Yeah. He's been know, buzzing around the room. You know, that's, that's what's going to cause the downfall of Western civilization. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it already has. So yeah, and it, are there ahead, big changes um, and when you look at, say, like the city budget and stuff like that, are there big radical changes beyond the fact that it, it, the city isn't making enough money to do the things that it really needs to do? That we would like to see? Yeah. You know? well, yeah. Well, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, part of it, it, it sucks being in Colorado because, as you guys know, Tabor kind of limits so much of what we're able to do. Yes. Uh, but also, Colorado Springsians mentality limits what we think we can do, too. Um, I, I don't know why there's there's a lot of great things about Colorado Springs. In a lot of ways, I think the people of Colorado Springs are much more open minded to new ideas and things like more than even Boston. You know, I used to live in Boston and they think of themselves as such a progressive city or whatever. But <laughs> Colorado Springs, actually, people here are open minded in a, in a way that a lot of people around the country aren't. But for some reason, our city leadership is just really fucking not. No, <laughs> no. I, 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 there's a lot of stick in the mud. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole conversation about city council pay and who ends up being getting on right. the city council because when you're get, only getting paid sixty two fifty a year, only people who can run are pensioners, retirees, and the independent. Well, yeah, it's all you. retired military officers essentially, which there's yeah. you know multiple <laughs> conjunctions there that are bad. Yeah, so or or maybe you just move into town like a certain city councilor. You call up the mayor and say, "What is your oh. town about?" And yeah. they just give uh-huh. you a seat. And yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so one of the things we really focused on, though, was <laughs> trying to um, <laughs> trying to later. take money from the from the police department and put it into other things in the the city budget. Because when we first, it was two years ago, I want to say, when we saw the city budget, there was like cuts, 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 cuts to all these like better programs mm-hmm. and then uh, you know more cops more cops more cops and i know yeah. people are convinced that cops somehow lead to less crime but w- really when you look at the data and you talk to experts about it it's it's not the perfect correlation that people think it is nope. with h- higher number of cops and, and less crime because it, it, there's so many other variables that go into it and so we were trying to really push like look let's put money into mental health which the city is like, well, we don't take care of that. That's the county, which is oh. part of the problem. The city yeah, that is a big part of the beyond. problem. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't remember all the specifics now, but, you know, we were just trying to move money around uh, into more social spending programs, better public mm-hmm. transportation, things like yeah. this. But the, the city just, they don't think that way. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. they don't. They're, they're very 
black and white on this mm-hmm. is what we're supposed to do. So this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, for as much as I hate the term, there's no outside the box kind of thinking. It's all very right here. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets really difficult to expand things when the ones in charge are like, hmm. Well, there, I think no. it comes from there's there's like two sides to that, right? One is the the conservative, like the regressive, like we should run this town like it's basically Calhan with that kind of rural infrastructure <laughs> requirement. And then there's the other side that are leftists, but they're like, man, we're never gonna get what we want, so why even bother? Um, yeah, the, yeah, liberals are very defeated in Colorado Springs, which yes. what, that's. When I moved back, I that's one thing that struck me is that Colorado Springs isn't the city I left back in, you know, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm, when sure. I got back, it was like it had grown. It was more progressive, things like this. But there's a, both the conservatives in the cities and the liberals in the city are very much stuck in the idea that this is still 1996 Colorado Springs. Yes, yeah. yes. Which yeah. was very different from even, you know, like 86 Colorado Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think I think 86 Colorado Springs in a lot of ways was even was much more progressive than than we have been in a really long time. Because um, I grew up mostly here in, in the okay. Springs. Um, been here for very many years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've seen some stuff. I've seen some stuff. Yeah. Um, but yet. Yeah, uh, when, when the evangelicals came in. That's when that's when the the dichotomy of Colorado Springs got really weird. Yeah, and we talked with really Roger weird. Butts uh, about mm-hmm. he's a university uh, Unitarian is, um, <laughs> uh, minister, um, but he he's a progressive Christian, and so hearing t- talking with him about religion in Colorado Springs was was very enlightening. Uh, and as as a former conservative Christian myself, evangelical, I get it. Uh, I remember being on, you know, the dark side um, as well. <laughs> now, you you came back in 2018 after all the 2016 stuff had happened. Um, are you, do you watch the the local, like, Dems, the El Paso County Dems at all? Because there's, there's the Chinook Center, DSA, the leftist organization, and then it seems like there's kind of a, a disconnect, even if you know all those people, between that and then the political apparatus in town. So I don't know if how you connect with that at all. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, um, yes. I mean, you kind of have to know about Democrats yeah. and know Democrats. I mean, it's funny because John is constantly reaching out to, Oh my John God, Nichols. sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Reaching out to DSA and myself and things and trying to get us to work closer together. And I, you know, whatever I'm like, not, I don't have strong feelings one way or another about DSA working within the Democrats or not working with the Democrats. I know that that's like a big thing in, in DSA because I'm a DSA member. Mm-hmm. Um, DSA, Democratic Socialists. Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what Bernie um, says he is, but is not really. Yeah, Bernie's more of a social Democrat, but yeah. you know, it's okay. We still love him. <laughs> <laughs> he spurred a lot of people. I don't, and I don't know if you want yeah. to speak to that as well, especially in the past uh, six years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I it's different because I started, like I said, I started doing activism back in the early two thousands, and yeah, there's like more people that are identifying as like socialists, I guess mm-hmm. now. Like that was really hard. I didn't, I didn't know very many other socialists back in two thousand, 
but it's it's sort of different too. I don't know. I there's a there's a confusion for a lot of people that think they're socialists when they're you know actually maybe just progressives or liberals. Yeah. And so we get a lot more of like having to deal with that and. I don't know. I have to deal with that in my classes too, which just sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't, I don't want to explain politics to you. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to get pedantic about who's, who's doing what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that is also very confusing because, you know, Bernie's always said, I'm a democratic socialist. And then, yeah, as you say, he's more of a social Democrat. And, and I, and I think like that's an entire thing, um, especially among, I mean, obviously within left-leaning circles, but definitely in right-leaning ones where socialism is communism is the end of the world is, you know, totalitarianist regimes, et cetera, et cetera. And then having to sort that out is practically uh, impossible. So I do not envy you as an act. I, I, I'm a social Democrat. I like to like right down the middle. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not. I mean, I, I appreciate that you think social Democrat is right down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> That's good though. That's 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 good. Some good perspective. There we go. That I guess to be a little more radical there, but that's okay. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. But you, I used to be an anarchist, so you know. I have friends yeah, that are anarchists. I'm ninety nine percent my percent sure my teenager is also, honestly, oh, nice. an it's, anarchist. It's a spectrum. It's, it's popular again. Yes. <laughs> yes, it actually is. It's 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 a, it's a whole thing now, and and they have a, a completely different, maybe not a different idea of anarchy, but they have thoughts about anarchy and how that that needs to look. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, teenagers are weird, man. Especially yeah. now, they're I, so weird. I love yeah, them. Yeah, mine, mine's a pretty staunch communist, so. Oh, okay. That's all right. You st- if you start radical, there's nowhere else to go. And then, then yeah, he's a, he's a classic red diaper baby, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just missed a couple generations. <laughs> so, but let, let's go back to um, the police and that because obviously you have had some experience with CSPD and that. Um, one thing that the local politicians are constantly talking about is the fact that we're like I don't know, like 110 police officers short of where we should be, which is why when you call 911, you you get a hey, hang on, we'll call you back in 15 minutes. Hopefully, nothing really bad uh, is happening. But in the past few years, I can speak from experience that um, people like so many issues that the police have to encounter are based are people in mental health crises. Um, and the, when you're a hammer, everything is a nail, right? So, so when you're, when you're bringing in these people who think that everyone who's having an issue is a criminal, you then have this expectation that now you need 110 people in full body armor, uh, wandering around the streets. Like just the other day I was at the, the bus terminal, catty corner from uh city hall and there was this guy just kind of sprawled out up against a planter and three uniform cops in full mm-hmm. body armor in two mm-hmm. cars show up uh and they and i was like i was honestly kind of terrified every single time i see someone having a mental health crisis um and the police show up it's really scary like i'm ready to pull out my phone and start recording what's going on right. yeah it's, exactly. it's 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 terrifying and um the mindset about how the police work here is perverse, but it's not a distinctively Colorado Springs thing. It's an American mm-hmm. thing. 
And I'm yeah. sure you could speak up quite a bit to that with your experience um, at the Chinook Center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I completely am right there with you with the the police and and honestly, like the entire criminal justice system. Part of the issue with Colorado Springs too is the the district attorney here is always so conservative as well. Mm-hmm. Like I've lived in other cities and and protested. I mean, I've protested in in Bangladesh. I you know I went to May Day in Bangladesh. I was like. That was the best May Day ever, too, oh. by the way. <laughs> uh, which is funny because the police there are so different. You know, you can uh-huh. bribe them very easily. Uh, oh. Maybe that's what we need here. Yes, yeah, just bribable but, police. Yeah, we also, they just don't have like the, the, there's no state hegemony there, which sometimes I wish we had here as well. Uh, but the yeah, the police, the con- the idea for the police <laughs> that they need to be a part of everything is what's, so incredibly overwhelming i mean i completely sympathize when you see anything and so many cops show up and you're right the they show up in full body armor in fact have you guys seen that meme about the lego cop that's like the evolution of cop cop over time and and it just yeah it starts as like i don't know those uh like officer friendly or whatever officer Uh friendly and then now they're like soldiers essentially yeah they're like he's got a scowl on his face i'm like it's (laughs) perfect that's exactly what's happened and i think what for a lot of especially older people don't realize is that in fact policing has changed significantly over the last 40 years Mm -hmm. and so while i still you know there's still i'm still critical of policing prior to the the new turn it's it's a lot different than it used to be People believe that the police are just like the friendly cop that's like walking the beat in your neighborhood, but that hasn't really been the case since the 1970s, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Not earlier. And the idea, too, that like they're stopping or that crime has changed in some significant way, like admittedly, okay, we have way more guns in the United States than we did in the past, which like I'm not a fan of personally, but <laughs> it's pretty absurd. That is, actually. That is like, what's that? It's pretty absurd. Yeah, and and I say that as as someone who has owned a gun and and that so. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not like personally like anti-gun necessarily, but like people are kind of obsessed with them. It's <laughs> sort of silly, you know. Yes. Have you seen that um, photo series? It's become a whole thing of yeah. of, you know, if if you don't support my right to own 650 guns that soldiers use out in the field, right. then you know you're anti-gun. Right, yeah. or you or don't anti- have a sticker of your gun family on the back of your pickup truck, right. or whatever. It's just, just like that's the, the values that you're reflecting with that. There, is. there was a photo mm-hmm. series uh, um, that was up, but it was basically the like high-end gun owners. It's just them laying out all of their firearms, and, and so it's you have these this couple or so they're standing in their driveway, and it's just loaded. Yes, with I've seen those and yes. firearms, yeah. and they're up on the roof, and they're around the pool, and it's like that's. Um, absolutely not the solution. Um, yeah, so dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a legitimate thing. I think that there are more guns in in the world, but the police, you know, they started in LA in the nineteen, you know, eighties. I guess the move towards the model of like the occupying army of the police, mm-hmm. like that that right. model spread mostly around the rest of the country, and Colorado Springs really took it up as a model. They don't when we. So I want to say three or four years ago, went to the, the city budget meeting and we we asked the police if they were going to if they were going to get more funding, would they do community policing with that? And Niski was like, no, we have no plans to do community policing, Yeah, which yeah, was like, you, that, you know, that successful was in Boston and, and lots of other cities a- across the country. But 
the Springs Police Department has, they think that they have to send a bunch of armed <coughs> cops to a lot of different things. A crash? If you have a fender bender, why do you need the police there? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, right. Everyone who wrecks a car is a criminal and has at least 15 pounds of cocaine in their trunk. That's that's how it works, John. Yeah, exactly. If you crashed, it's probably because you're a drug dealer. Exactly. Yes. Um, going to manage to get that hot CBD, getting a little <laughs> chill, you know. But there are just so many situations that the police don't need to be there for. They can mm-hmm. significantly reduce their footprint in society so that when they do show up, it's for things that are like you might actually need a cop for, like a, a shooter at a fucking elementary school, right? Yeah, that, right. You know, show up for like that's the one thing where it's like, I don't know, trained professionals with body armors and high powered guns might work, might be a thing for that. <laughs> that might be where they belong. <laughs> but it wasn't yeah, that but otherwise, like... it's not like a thing that you need daily in your life because there are so many other people that can step into these situations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, what, what do you think about like then SWAT? Because that was another big thing that came out of L.A. was you have yeah. you'd have these you would have, I guess, their standard cops now. But they were right. basically soldiers that would come in at, after that Hollywood shootout. You know, uh, Daryl Hare, 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 I can't. Daryl Glenn. Yeah. The, the creator. That no, not Daryl Glenn. Daryl. Uh, Daryl Harris or Daryl and I'm, I yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, but he he <laughs> he also created Dare, which was also an amazing program. Um, but the idea of you have this specialty team where everyone else can be officer friendly, but then these guys are the ones with the battering rams and Colin right, right. Farrell and Samuel L. Jackson. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's it's uh, pretty I don't fun. Know if I've seen it either. Uh, you should. But but the idea is that it used to be segregated. You just had officer friendlies you, in just plain clothes, button downs, and now everyone is ready for war. And, and it's this kind of over leveraging, like, well, gosh, wouldn't it suck if the one time that the cop didn't have the full body armor, they were the ones who were shot and killed right. in line of duty. And it's right. that like paranoia. Uh, well, you know, and I, I know this sounds heartless, but you, a lot of the extra money that cops are getting nowadays is to protect them. It's not mm-hmm. to protect society. It's to protect them against society. Yeah, And like, exactly. I'm sorry, you, that's what you signed up for. Man. And that's your job. Your job is to put your, is to put your life and yourself on the line to protect the community from actual criminal people, mm-hmm. not, you know, the homeless guy who's having a mental health crisis. Right, right, right. It's not, um, I had, because I'm downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm right off that little trail system. Um, right, right. You know, we get our share of, of unhoused that, that wander past, which is fine. Um, I did have to call the police on one and oh, I hated every minute of it. Every minute of it. I was so mad. Um, he decided he wanted to throw rocks at, you know, specifically my person. Okay. That's, yeah, that's I mean, is this a serial window breaker that's been going around. Because no, I don't know. He just broken um, windows all over downtown Colorado Springs lately. I don't know, but no, he because uh, he was mad that I had a big dog. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean that's a reason. And mad at you know, I'm also mad about that. Just yeah. to let you know. All right. <laughs> Where's the rocks, John? Yeah. Right. Jeez. Um. But yeah. So I said I had to call the I had to call the police on on him, and they did show up relatively quickly in a completely overblown mm-hmm. you know manner there were probably four <laughs> police cars 
and you know Ray's getting out. I mean, is is it? He doesn't even have on shoes. I'm gonna right. guarantee that he does not have a gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not. If he had a gun, he would have shot me instead of throwing rocks at my head. Or he sold his yeah, shoes exactly. to get a gun, and you know who knows how that's going to happen. You know what? See, that is exactly probably what happened. But yeah. you know it, uh, and like I said, it was it was someone who who was having a mental health crisis and needed, and probably still needs, mm-hmm. you know, some some kind of mental health intervention. That kind yeah. of support. And I, I would love to see with with the with our police force, the inclusion of these, you know, I guess mental health cops, essentially. Well, there are social, right. there are other departments where they are integrating well, social workers yeah. and mental health people into that. And yeah, but got, they don't, but they don't ta- show up. Well, here yeah, in town, there's the only thing, like two they created, teams. Yeah, they created a few teams like the, the mm-hmm. star team up in Denver and the uh, cahoots up in yes. uh, Eugene. But they they insisted that they would have to have cops as part of those teams, which is mm-hmm. not the case in Denver or Eugene. Well, the exactly. whole idea is to not have cops show up. Because, yes, to not have I mean, these can... not not have these these people who, as I think, as a cop, every interaction is a possible you know altercation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and I, we need we need to be able to 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 look at that differently. And but exactly. we're not we're not training our police officers to do that. Right. We're not hiring people really that even have the ability to do that. We're you know we're hiring and, and bringing in these these you know her I am cop da, 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 it's, kind, kind of, of people. An, it's kind of an escalation by proxy, really. Mm-hmm. It's like the, it you know mentally i like to think about you know you were talking about gun ownership and stuff like that and and there are so many things that have happened as a result of just so many people owning so many more guns it, it's it'd be like if the you know if the the founding fathers had said there was a private right to own dynamite because the enemy was made out of brick or something and you really need dynamite against this kind of particular uh, opponent even though this was you know like 80 years before dynamite was invented so now you have kids <laughs> that are like walking around with bricks of C4 with little fuses in their pockets um, and that you can just get a vending machine. And if you tell someone that their explosives are not valid because every time <coughs> something bad happens, you blow up a neighborhood, they're like, no, man, you're suppressing my freedoms. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, that, I think that's just an entire spectrum there versus knives or, or whatever. We've been talking yeah. about the police, but are there other um, city policies or things that you or the DSA or the Chinook center take a look at and say, like, there's another way that we could be doing this. And we're really advocating for this kind of change. Yeah. I mean, I think the other big thing that we have really focused on is the homeless crisis and, and, and housing because Colorado Springs, again, they don't really think outside of the box with things. And, and they, you know, we, we got into the, a little argument with Southers at the Juneteenth two years ago about <laughs> housing. And he was like, well, the city of Colorado Springs isn't in the business of housing, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure a lot of city leaders say that across the country because yeah. the government doesn't see themselves as like, that's not their job, despite the fact that they'll take money from the state and the federal government to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't see that as their job somehow uh, because they just want to leave it up to the private market. But like, clearly the private market is failing with this. There's no mm-hmm. incentive for, people building and selling and renting houses and apartments to bring down their rents. I mean, is why, I mean, I'm sure at some point they'll reach a crisis, but the thing is, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the news, the, the housing 
bubble is it's not bursting necessarily but it's, it's collapsing it's, a little yeah exactly and now all of them are like well we're gonna have to slow down building because we can't be as profitable yeah. so this idea that somehow like the slowdown in the market is going to create more affordable housing is ridiculous because all they're going to do is retract mm-hmm. building so that they can keep their profits at the same level and i i mean this is something obviously that just drives me bad as a dirty commie is that <laughs> we never talk about the fact that everything is just about squeezing as much profit out of everything as possible 100 oh, percent exactly so 100%. we just think about the world in that way um and you know we, we're not getting anybody like that um the city hall no in city hall in colorado springs that's no. that's questioning the fundamentals of quote-unquote free market no. Um, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was, I was just going to, uh, anecdotal. When I moved into my apartment here downtown, I moved in December of 2020. And it was a little one bedroom apartment. And it was with utilities and everything else. It was like $840 a month. That same apartment, my, my little building got bought. And the new owner informed me that when my lease was up, December of last year, that they were going to be charging me thirteen fifty. Oh my god! For these same apartments, and I was and like, they "Could and they can." Yeah, well, exactly. Because what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I just moved upstairs, and I'm only paying fifty dollars more than you know. I'm paying okay. fourteen hundred for a two bedroom, as compared to you know. Nick saw my old apartment. It was literally a hallway with a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. nice. It was super teensy. Um, and yeah, and now they've turned almost the entire building into Airbnbs. Yeah, that, I mean, that is part of the, I mean, I have to give city council some credit for that is that they actually did push back on the, the Airbnb stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. despite organized groups bringing, you know, trying to push back against any regulation of yeah. Airbnb. So I, I am happy they did that because there was a lot of houses in my neighborhood here too. I'm just like just over on the west side. Mm-hmm. That are just airbnbs oh yeah and you just yeah, have we these have... transients that are just coming in and, and doing whatever well, they don't give an f and then they're out of there and you know and, the, and that's the, the thing you know we we have we have there's an eight there's eight units in my building oh, we're just a little tiny you know spot um there are two permanent residents or two two units that are that are that have permanent residents in them and everything else has been turned into an airbnb ridiculous i mean and it's a good location but i was about to say that (laughs) yeah it is a good location it's a great spot that's why i love being here but also you know we right now we have broken beer bottles out in front of the out in front um we had finally had somebody show up to pull all the weeds because it was starting to look like it was abandoned um because you know as well as i do people not everyone who goes to an Airbnb treats it the way that it should be treated. There's cigarette butts everywhere. It's a freaking mess out there. And then nobody comes to clean it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so. in, in fairness, I, I try to keep my neighborhood as junky as possible looking so that it doesn't <laughs> just get quickly gentrified, which is already happening. I'm like, ah, oh, there's so many like white 20 somethings moving into my neighborhood. I, yeah. <laughs> to do that thing I saw on Facebook where she just goes out and plays a really loud recording of gunshots every night. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show them. That'll show well, them you know, quick. honestly, if, if, if the rent is reasonable in your neighborhood, people are just going to show up anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
And and we talked with uh, Stephanie Vigil uh, a couple of weeks ago about rent uh, mm-hmm. and and the fact that there's no rent control here in Colorado because of the Telluride decision and stuff like that. Um, that people are just going to who cares whatever the the richest man will pay and it will be a man yep. uh that's what the the going rate is and the, so then that kind of opens the discussion kind of what you're talking about is the fact that housing is a human right mm-hmm. um and so the city should be. and and i i agree actually with with john southers the city should not be in the business of housing it should be in the accommodation of housing for yeah, people exactly. who need it and yeah. I think when people think of public housing and housing authorities, because we have a housing authority here, but it's kind of like a really pale, kind of thin uh, Very entity. minimal, yes. Yeah, but the idea of the city like going out and buying houses kind of randomly through the neighborhoods and stuff like that and saying, hey, this is where homeless people are going and stuff like that, um, that's not even on their radar. They are not even yeah. thinking about that. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about there, or it, Emily was saying about, there's no outside the box thinking they know exactly mm-hmm. what they think the government should do. And so there's, they're scheming and all that around that model when there are, there's evidence everywhere of this working or that working stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just afraid of, I, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because, like I said, Colorado Springsians are are more open minded to a lot of things in a lot of different places. Like I lived in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and they're very much not an open minded type of folk. But the the city leadership just refuses to think broadly about things, which I think is funny because they're always like wanting to be a world class city. I'm like, you don't become world class city by just copying the 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 most mediocre of other cities across the country you know yeah, you don't become world class by being mediocre yeah and, and yet that seems to be that what they want to do they don't want to push the limits they don't want to experiment they don't mm-hmm. want to try different things things here take so long to do too anytime yes. there's a good idea in colorado springs that i see coming out of any thing i'm all i would i would so much love that but it's not going to happen because somehow good ideas always get killed in colorado springs oh yeah and then there's the need to address like um, the pay rate. Like that was actually late last year. I was like, man, I should really get in uh, involved in um, like a ballot measure because this this ballot coming this November is going to be freaking insane with the amount of initiatives mm-hmm. um, that I've signed for or right. are, <laughs> are going to be coming down there. Like everyone is everywhere trying to get signatures and stuff like that. I'm really excited about Rec Weed. Um, sorry, Manitou my loyalty, you know, to my city and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, seriously. Um, but there's, there's going to be so many initiatives and there was, um, in 2020, if I recall correctly, there was a group that was trying to get, um, better pay for city councilors mm-hmm. so that we could theoretically get uh, more diverse, um, representation and leadership but like that's so hard and everyone's like oh we tried it in 2012 and it failed so don't think about it you know don't even bring it up because it's not gonna uh not gonna work but it seems like that would be a good way to start and then of course there's who's running for mayor right now have you seen anyone i mean obviously wayne williams is pretty much gonna win but is are are there (laughs) you know my thoughts on all of that yeah just tell us everything john (laughs) <laughs> about people running for mayor yeah it, then, i hate them all yeah <laughs> right okay <laughs> and like and uh, yemi include like look if yemi's 
fine, I guess. You know, I've met him <laughs> a couple times, but the whole Wild Goose Union Drive, not too pleased with him about. No. Um, but he has zero chance of winning anyway, so... Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, don't... I know all the liberals are excited about him, but it's I agree with you, Nick. Wayne Williams is winning. Like, Tom Strand's not going to win, which, you know what? Wayne Personally, Williams I has fucking been... hate Tom Strand more than Wayne Williams, so... Wayne Williams has been groomed by Southers from day one to to take over as mayor you know yeah. he's the the heir apparent and yeah. he and but, i have personal beef okay well i um, understand look i i get personal beef Emily. <laughs> he's also a horrible human being who should never be allowed to be in charge of anything anywhere ever mm. ever that's, that's good i'm glad that you because though i i met him at a housing uh thing meeting and i was like charmed by him or whatever i was like well you know what i no. hate your politics they're the fucking worst but like a perfectly <laughs> no, nice guy no. when, <laughs> ask him ask him about people that that need food assistance okay and, well and god yeah see where he goes from there and and yelling so loud he's red in the face about oh, the fact god. that you know poor people just need better food education yeah, yeah. That so that they can like eat the right foods. We had yeah. a whole thing, a standoff in city council. <laughs> yeah. But That's, well, uh, mine was with Tom Strand, so Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's your beef with Tom, Tom Strand? Let's air the beef b- 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 beef <laughs> corner. <laughs> oh, is that a thing? Yeah, it can is. You now. Have a little, I was gonna put a stamp some, on it. Yeah. The Ben yeah, Low Beef some, Corner. Some beef patties rolling across the screen or yeah. something too, please. And we're gonna That's put what a we NASCAR can do for TikTok. Sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Beef corner with John This is my problem with Tom Strand. And this is why I prefer people like Wayne Williams over Tom Strand. Wayne Williams, I know exactly where he stands. Tom Strand is full of fucking shit. Tom Strand is a piece of shit that doesn't think he's a piece of shit. I think Wayne Williams knows he's a piece of shit. I'm sure he doesn't think about it in those terms. Yes. He but knows Wayne he's William, horrible. Yeah, exactly. But Tom Strand, like, first, I mean, I've just had so many interactions with him that are, he's just such a, he's so full of himself, too. <laughs> you you and but, Sean, as I understand it, have gone to city council and been talked down to by Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Exactly. He, I, I got a little heated one time when talking about their stupid no sitting, laying, standby. Uh-huh. Um, and like, you know, I just basically was like pointed at each and every one of them, and I was like, "What would you do if you lived on the streets?" And then the police come and force you out of like the one place where you are. You know, I, I can't remember what I said. Uh, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop! You don't need to raise your voice." And I was like, "Okay, dude." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you haven't said anything to anybody else. And then afterwards, he. This is what got me. It, Yolanda was Avila was literally like tearing up after that vote. She was like really upset. Mm-hmm. And I went over to like, you know, like talk to her and console her a little bit. And he looked over at her and he's like, well, this is maybe why you need to win more elections. Just like so fucking mm, smart. And it was, it was literally weeks after they had selected Stephanie um, fortune fortune. Yeah. Completely mm-hmm. against the will of everybody in our district. Yes. And so I just like lost it on like, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> hey, don't be a fucking dick right now. And then you guys just literally went be like 
completely outside of democracy. You're you're Trumpers as far as I'm concerned mm -hmm. um, to choose Stephanie Fortune. Yeah, you just decided he, this too was going to be. Yeah, exactly. And he like, you know, and Sean saw me getting upset with him. So he came over and then we had a whole exchange <laughs> yeah. with him. And, you know, it was yeah. <laughs> a little heated exchange. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always fun when that happens. And I, I like to hear the, you know, the personal beef of, of people yeah. just because... Yes, again, we know that most of them are awful human beings, mm -hmm. just in general, because if you weren't a terrible human being, you wouldn't think and vote and behave the way that you do. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's nice to have some, again, some anecdotal information about, yeah. oh, this is also what makes you crappy. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, in, and in playing, de I'll play devil's advocate right here because I'm oh, right down the middle here. Um, <clears throat> I used to have a lot of those opinions. Typical social Democrat. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, exa <laughs> exactly. Uh, pay me. Actually, hang on. Fuck you, pay me. There we go. Um, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's how it works. But when, you, when you're in that mindset for so long, um, and you're in an environment that considers that valid, um, kind of everything else seems like something you need to attack. Uh, and then like the sparminess, like that's another, like Al Loma, Reverend Al Loma on the, uh, on the district mm -mm. Uh, 11 board is the same way. Like, well, maybe next time you won't vote me in. Um, and so, but like, like we were, I was saying earlier, the idea that the Colorado Springs should be run like a rural community and then have mm -hmm. all the amenities of Denver, but then have pay as much taxes as Calhan. You can't yeah. fucking do it. Uh, yeah. It's it's something's got to change, and I and I'm glad that the the city is kind of changing uh, in that way. Is there something? I'm gonna kind of close it out here. Um, is there is there something about Colorado Springs that you're optimistic for, and something that you, especially with you and the Chinook Center and the DSA are working towards? Um, I don't know, maybe broadly or do something you've got more discreet um, that you'd like helping the community with? Um, you know, I, I honestly, we don't have any like particular project that we're working on at Chinook Center. Well, you brought up the police. Obviously, we're still trying to hold the police to account for like surveilling mm -hmm. us and spying on us and all this shit. Because you got um, some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so the, like that is still like part of our focus it's yeah. just hard when we still have so many people facing charges that you can't mm -hmm. really talk about a lot of stuff publicly but that's obviously one thing that we're continually going to focus on um dsa is you know the fact that even we have such an active dsa chapter in colorado springs the fact that chinook center can exist in colorado springs the fact that there's always events going on at chinook center there's there are multiple groups that it, like i think we have you know like nine groups in yeah. chinook center that are all like doing their things and building grassroots capacity and building up community that the fact that all of that exists here the fact that you guys have this podcast here you know like these are all things that give me hope here i I don't want to like sound cheesy, but Colorado Springs is actually changing it, changing. And I think part of why it's so painful right now is because it is changing and the mm -hmm. old guard knows it's changing. They're trying to hold on. They're trying to keep it like their fantasy of Colorado Springs Calhan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's changing and it's going to be really rough. But I think, you know, coming out the other side of it, Colorado Springs is going to be so much better of a city, like the city that I always imagined it could be. Exactly. Uh, because th there is something unique and nice about this city and unique and nice about the people of this city. 
And, you know, I think that there's people have definitely felt disempowered in Colorado Springs for so long, especially liberals, progressive leftists. They have felt so disempowered. But I think, you know, over the last few years, they've just felt like, no, we're not going to take this anymore. And it it leads to a lot of conflict. But eventually we're going to win. Like, I'm confident that we're going to win and things are going to be better here. So that's that's what gives me hope. Just the fact that we have so much going on here indicates that we are on the path towards winning something mm-hmm. here in Colorado Springs that's better. Even if it if it doesn't always feel that way when you look at city council, when you look at the mayor, yeah. things like this. But, you know, I actually know that there are some good bureaucrats in Colorado Springs, too. There are, actually. <laughs> we, we have, like, we weirdly have the support of a lot of, like, you know, the silent support of uh-huh. a lot of bureaucrats in Colorado Springs. They they appreciate what we're doing and they they help out and things like this. Yeah. So that's one thing that I, I don't know, that gives me hope. Emily, did you have any uh, last questions for John? Mm, not really. I mean, I just, uh, I've been, I've been perusing the, the website as, as we've gone through and actually think that John and I need to connect on a different Zoom. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay that's the in the beef corner thing. right no no this is in the 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 thing i'm not supposed to talk about okay got it on this but is my whole it's your thing thing awesome jeez oh, now you got me yeah we'll talk about it offline yeah uh okay. once he hits the stop record button we'll talk don't ever, just by the way don't ever message me via messenger if you have any um anything spicy to talk about because you know mm-hmm. cspd Oh, sure. Well, yeah. 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 Cause that was a whole FBI. thing and that was freaking hilarious. And I'm just, <clears throat> that's nuts. I was going to bring that up and I'm like, no, I'm not going to bring it up. Cause I don't know what's happening with it, but no, that was, that was a whole thing. All right, John, where <laughs> can we find you on the internet? Or I know you, you've guys got your own podcast, you and Sean, uh, just COS or just cause, I guess. Just, you gotta say just cause. Cause it's like, you know, it it's a just cause. Um, it's a triple entendre, possibly. Yeah. I don't oh know. my god! I know, I know. It's it's really clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't been doing it lately. Sean's like so busy; he's working multiple jobs now because it's such a fucking pain in the ass to live in the city. I'm yeah. sorry, uh-huh. we're allowed to curse on this. Yeah. Oh, yep. thank thank you for asking. As we're wrapping up, you jerk. Of course, that, that <laughs> that's going in the beef corner next week. Yep. <laughs> yes, you can curse as much as you want. Okay. Yeah, but you know, it's you know. But we haven't been able to do it as much lately just because it's like we all are trying to survive. But yeah, you can mm-hmm. check out Just COS, Just Cause on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, or come down to the Chinook Center. It's an airport and circle behind Taco Star. And you're you're actually right over there by the uh, come and go. Yeah, across the street from the come and go. You have to go across the street and down and, and in the back. Mm-hmm. But those who are seeking you out will find you. You will find yes. us. We're on Google Maps. I had to, had to fix our pin on Google Maps, but <laughs> in the right spot now. It was probably regressives like, yeah, don't go here. Yeah, exactly. Come and go. John, thank yep. you so much for being on our on our thank little you. show here. Thank you yeah, for having me. Wonderful. And I, I love your guys' little, um, like your logo and imagery and stuff, by the way. It's fantastic. Thank you. That was like, we can't, we can't, we're pushing back production at least two weeks so I can sit here and draw all these little pictures. So uh-huh. <laughs> great. <laughs> thank you, John. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good afternoon.
Well, that was a fantastic interview. Wow. No, it was actually really fun. I, I, I had a. That it was, was. It was. It was great. It was very enjoyable. It was very. Um. It was very. Um. It was cool to learn a bunch of new stuff and understand the Chinook Center and see how open mm-hmm. it is and uh, what it has available uh, for people. They're doing stuff down there all the time. I see it over all over my feed. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, Sean wasn't able to, re- you know, hang out with us. Uh, but maybe in the future when he's not as busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of go from there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, let's get out of here. You want to get us out of here, Emily? I can do that, Nick. Badly Needed and Long Overdue is a podcast about shaking things up in a conservative city. This show was hosted by Nick Raven and Emily Lewis. Uh, you can watch the video version of this show on YouTube and listen to us in podcast form everywhere you find podcasts. Our theme music is by the Knockblockers. They're a local ska band. Hi, very awesome. Highly recommend you go find them on social media. You can reach us on a whole bunch of different social media platforms as well like Instagram, Badly Needed Podcast, Twitter, at Badly Needed COS, Facebook, at Badly Needed Long Overdue Podcast, (laughs) and on TikTok at Badly Needed Podcast. Be aware we don't actually have any TikTok content yet, but we're working on it. Fantastic. Well, we may not be on TikTok, but we are Badly Needed and Long Overdue, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>